0: Um, I am um, I'm looking forward to sharing with you this morning. We're going to do um, a little bit. There's going to be a lot of information <laughs> thrown at you, so be ready. Um, there was a piece of paper. And if I could find that piece of square paper, that would be helpful. It was up here. Um, find or just a regular blank piece of paper, that would be helpful. Um, thank you. I know. Someone must have used it for notes. Like, oh, look, a scrap piece of paper. Like, oh, there goes my whole demonstration. Um, I'm looking forward to sharing with you. um, We've been talking with the Voltage and the junior high students. The junior high students are very... Um, very new most of them aren't I think there's maybe a total of three out of around 20 kids thank you that come on uh, that come from a Christian home and so we have the opportunity thank you to um, to minister to them and they're super new so we're teaching them basic basic things but even with the senior highs who have been in church and junior high for a little while we've been talking to them about commitment about what it looks like to be a follower of Christ and how its commitment over convenience and how often do we get caught up in that? But that's not just for voltage students, it's not just for high school students, it's commitment over convenience. So this morning we're gonna talk a little bit about Peter um, and it's basic. It's based on uh, just one chapter of Luke this morning. There's encounters that Peter had that um, just in this one chapter of Luke that transformed his entire life um, and, had, and launched him into the fullest p- potential of the momentum. Now we're gonna look into um, Luke nine, um, and the corresponding scripture verses that are out of Matthew and Mark. So if you wanna track with us, you can keep your fingers all in your Bible there. Um, Yeah, Simon, uh, his first name was Simon. So when I say we're gonna follow the life of Peter, we're gonna backtrack and remember when he was first Simon. He was renamed by Jesus later, which we'll talk about, but his first name was Simon, and he was an ordinary guy. He's from a small town. Like Espinola. Kind of see a Galilee is a little different, but he's from a small town. He was married. And uh, thank you. He was all his hard work. Isn't our great pastor great? Such a servant heart. <laughs> I appreciate you. Thank you for doing that. Uh, yeah, he was uh, he's from a small town. His name is Simon. He was married according to scripture. Um, Matthew I think it's 8, Matthew 8, showed uh, Jesus healing his mother-in-law, so we know that he was married. Um, we know that he was around, um, culturally Jesus was about 30 when he started his ministry, and so Simon was uh, referred to as a, as a young child, um, and he was a disciple, and usually at that time, the disciples were younger than uh, the teacher, and so, um, like a youth pastor, the students are generally younger, maybe taller, but younger, uh, And and so we know that he was around, he was a, A little bit of an older teenager or a young adult and so this is where he comes from he comes from a small town he is a young adult or early or late teen and he's married and he is an ordinary job as a fisherman in Galilee so there's not a whole lot that's extraordinary about his life Peter was a blank page thank you for those people who got me this page Um, Peter was a blank page and then and then all of a sudden, one day Jesus is walking and he has a crowd of people that are around him and he pulls out into Peter's boat, or Simon's boat, excuse me, Simon's boat and teaches and then shows this miraculous miracle where they were fishing all night long, no fish. Anybody ever been skunked before? Yeah, yeah. me, <laughs> daily when I fish, which is why I don't fish. So. He, they didn't catch any fish and Jesus pulls this miracle and says, well, why don't you try on the other side? And I'm like, well, the logic of that doesn't make sense but they did it anyways and obviously they pulled in this first miracle that Peter encountered. The first miracle is that they pulled in all these fish and that was something that turned Peter's mind. So, wow, what is this? Who is this person? And Jesus then gives him an invitation. The invitation was this. Follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Follow me. The promise there is is I will make you. The fisher of man might have been the calling, but the promise is that I will make you. Jesus said, if you follow me, I'm inviting you to transform. I'm inviting you on an adventure. I'm inviting you to take this, ordinary fisherman, plain as day, pretty ordinary simple, to something more than you could ever hope for or imagine. I will make you a fisher of man. Many of us have had this first experience. We've had this first decision where we say, I will follow you, God. Jesus has offered us, us, as all of us, the invitation, come and follow me and I will make you into something you never saw coming. Come and follow me. And so we've accepted that invitation and say, okay, yes, Jesus, I will will accept that salvation. I will accept your invitation. I will go, I will let you lead my life. You are my king, you are my Lord. But does transformation happen instantly? No. It never does. Much to our dismay, right? But when the transformation doesn't happen instantly, it's the beginning of a process. When Peter takes the invitation, it was the beginning of a friendship, a discipleship, a teaching opportunity, training with Jesus. It was the start of a process. So often we try to treat heaven like a drive-through, where we peel in, we're like getting all our prayer requests out there, and then come on, come on, come on, come on, wait for 10 minutes, McDonald's, like come on, right? Just oh, that's not nice, is it? <laughs> we wait, we wait, we're like come on, heaven, come on, God, where's where's the stuff that I want? Where's where's all the things that I need? And they're not just like they're not just surface things. God, give me patience, you know? Ooh, <laughs> yeah please, God, give me patience. I've heard my students, one of my students says, God, give me patience, because if He give me strength, I'm gonna kill someone. <laughs> like, uh, we'll pray for you, <laughs> please don't hurt me. Um, we, treat, we treat heaven like a drive-through experience where we peel in and we expect God to answer all our prayers, but, that's, but because he's a good God he's, and he cares more about the process that we walk through with him than the product of what our life necessarily looks like, he cares about your process. How are we processing with God? How is your heart, church? How are you really? How's God speaking to you? How's God speaking to you today? He's not a vending machine God that's based on performance. He's a good God that's based on relationship and relationship takes time. So what does that process with Peter look like? Plain, ordinary, fisherman, uh, Simon, excuse me. Oh, it's so hard. Ordinary fisherman Simon takes a look at Jesus and he, he says, you know what, God, you know what, Jesus, I will follow you. You're, you did something awesome, incredible. I will follow you. I want you to teach me. I want you to train me. So three years, Peter was with Jesus. And in that time, it, was, it wasn't them sitting back watching Jesus do ministry. Jesus was strategic and intentional about building into the people that he was training, people that he was walking with. Before the event of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, there was three years of living and breathing, of doing normal life with Jesus, of doing miracles of not normal life with Jesus, of of seeing um, people saved and healed and, and rescued, people that were transformed in that time, that transformational moment where their beginning happened. In that time, scripture records several experiences that Peter had, and we're basing them out of Luke 9. Um, So in those three years, we're gonna talk about the first one, it's dependent. In the first three years of doing life with Jesus, Jesus was intentional to train and and develop his disciples. After gathering them, he collected them all in, he called them, come and be my disciple, follow me and I will make you a fisher of man. He did ministry with them, said come with me, I'm going to show you how it's done. (laughs) Thanks, God. I'm going to show you how it's done. And then he sent them out to try it on their own. You watched me. Now you're going to try it. And when you try it, you're going to come back and tell me how it went. Right? It's like junior high ministry. Okay, go and try it and then come back and we're going to debrief and I'm going to encourage you and I'm going to correct you and, wow, let's never do that game again. And, yeah. So Jesus did the same thing. Gathering them together, he sent them out and he let them try it on their own and then back to them to debrief. This is out of Luke 1. It says, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he told them, take nothing for the journey. Huh. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and no extra shirt. Whatever house, I don't think this is up there, but whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. And if people do not welcome you, then leave that town and shake the dust from your feet and as the testimony against them. So they set out, the disciples went. That's bravery. They went and in the village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. The disciples were sent out To do ministry without a backup plan. What if they failed? What if they didn't succeed? What if they needed to change their shirt? (laughs) Jesus put them in positions where they needed God, where God was their only security, the only one, the only thing to turn to. Imagine, okay, church, we're going to go on a mission trip, and you're going to get ready. We're going to go right now, and you're going to not take your purse or your wallet. You're going to take no food with you. You're going to take no extra clothes, no money, and by the way, you're going to go for months and tell people about the kingdom of God that's here, and don't forget to heal people. Go. All right? We're ready. Let's do it. Right? And at first, you're like, yeah, let's go, and they're like, wait, I can't get... There, how? What? There's questions that come about. There's doubts. There's setbacks. There's things that we depend on sometimes that we don't even realize that we do until we're put in situations where we actually need to depend on Jesus, or we need it. We live in a world of privilege. Sometimes that's hard to un- to really grasp. But when we put ourselves in situations where we allow Jesus to put us into situations where we need Him, and if He doesn't come through, Well, we're done. And what does that push you to? It pushes you to prayer. It pushes you to trust. It pushes you to depend. Right? This is our God. And Jesus put Peter in situations where he needed to depend on God or it wasn't going to work. So with all of that, Peter allowed him to move. He allowed him, he went out. And then afterwards, uh, verse 10 says that Peter and all of the disciples came back and they talked to Jesus and they said, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Those ministry moments of, well, God, I went, here's how it went. But what I love is that it doesn't actually say if it went well or not. And I don't think that was the point. I don't think Jesus was like, well, this was your only chance to be successful in life and ministry, and if you messed up, then you're done and you're out. He didn't even say it was successful. He sent them out to try it. I think the lesson there was to depend, was to trust. Do you trust me? Do can you depend? Peter let Jesus put him in situations where he needed God. Do we? <laughs> That's hard. Like, really? Do we really? That's hard. That's a hard lesson to learn. Um, but at the same time, that's where one of the most empowerful moments that that happened was the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and he trained him. And he went in to do something that he never thought he could, and it came back to Jesus to report. Just a little change, but it's still a transformation. So Simon Peter allowed Jesus, secondly, to... to he needed to depend on him. The second thing was that he needed to redefine him. He allowed him to be, to redefine him. Um, He was obedient to the calling that he was giving after being redefined. In Luke nine or another verse, uh, another, uh, the same story but in in Matthew 16, um, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they replied, well, some of them say John the Baptist and, you know, some of them say Elijah and still others, Jeremiah and one of the prophets. Um, And Jesus asked them, well, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, who was the spokesperson of the disciples, but also probably thought a little bit less about what he was going to say before he said it than most people, he spoke out and said, "You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God." Jesus replied, "Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by the Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. He renames him there. You're Peter. You're no longer Simon, you are now Peter. And this is significant we'll talk about it in a second. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Woo, that's a good calling. I want that. Yeah, give me that. From the first recorded time that Peter discerned God's leading for himself, where it wasn't a fleshly thing that someone told him, but something that he discerned for himself that this was true based on what God gave him, the wisdom that he received, Jesus redefined him in that moment. Since the time before Moses, um, names meant something more than just to differentiate between humans. They were meant to give you your true identity. So when he said, Uh, when he was renaming Simon to Peter, which means rock, Jesus was establishing Peter's calling. So much more than just an ordinary fisherman, he was establishing him as the foundation of the church. This is now who you are. This is now who you are. This is now who you are. So much more than just Simon, you are now Peter. And this is repeated again in John t- uh, 21, after Peter, and if you follow scripture, if you don't, read it. Um, if you <laughs> do, it's John 21, um, after Peter messed up and denied Jesus three times. After, P- after Peter denied him, Jesus died on the cross and Peter returned to his old business of fishing, defeated, discouraged, three years of his life, while well, there is a faith, Jesus died. So I wasn't right, it was a false faith. But Jesus returns to Peter recognizing who God is, that it was true, that those three years were meant for power and purpose and then redefines his calling again. Again. When he was defeated, when he lost sight of who he was, when he returned to his old ways, he redefined him again to set him forward into the fullest potential of what he was made to do, to be the founder of the church. Even after Peter denies him, Jesus repeats it three times, purpose to calling, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. What Jesus did on the cross redefined believers forever. I think that, it is my opinion and maybe you can disagree and I'd love to talk to you about it, Um, I think that we need to be intentional to trust Jesus' truth even when other truths seem to be right. We need to trust in his truth over what may appear to be true and live by the promises of God even when our faith feels weakened by discouragement. Peter allowed Jesus to redefine him from an ordinary Simon into something just a little bit different, into something a little bit more aligned with what Jesus had in mind and it was still only part of the process. Part of it. Just a little bit more change and yet it still looked different. Imagine what the church and the community of believers would look like if, if we allowed Jesus to really redefine us. Would it change something in you, in you personally? Would it change something for the body of Christ in our, in our town, in our, in our beliefs, in our theology? Would it change? If we allow Jesus to really redefine us, to uproot who we were as Simon and redefine us into something that God, God is placing over our life. And the process continues. Finally, we have rebuked Peter or corrected. Peter learned to submit to God's ways instead of his own will. Woo, that's a good lesson. Good job, Peter. In the same chapter. So, Peter just got called into ministry. He just got called, You will be the foundation of my church, and I'm giving you power and authority that whatever you do on earth will be loosed in heaven and bound in heaven. Uh, and and earth, it will be powerful. You are a powerful leader, Peter. In the same, in the very next verse, that ended at at um, Matthew twenty uh, in tw- verse twenty one, or twenty, and it continues in twenty one. And this is where we are well, this is where we lead at. Peter learned that um, he w- was celebrated in front of his his peers as the rock, and then in the very next sentence, Jesus had just started telling his disciples about the future that awaited him, and Peter took him aside, which was the cross. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, "Oh never, Lord, that won't happen to you." He said, "This shall never happen to you and And in that moment, he turned, Peter turned. uh, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. In the very next sentence, from you are the rock, I will build my church on you, to get behind me, Satan, instant. You are the stumbling block to me. Uh, You have not, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but the mere human concerns. Satan translated, it means, right there, means um, adversary. So one who opposes another in purpose or in act. So why was Peter so rejected so quickly and so boldly in front of everybody? You know, sometimes when you have something to say, you're like, "Mm, maybe you shouldn't have done that. You pull someone aside and give them like a gentle, like, you know, let's talk about that. I really liked what you did. You sandwich theory. I liked what you did. And then you should never do that ever again. But I also like this, Right? Peter didn't do that. In front of everybody, he was not cushioning it. He directly addressed a temptation. He cut it out. He said, get behind me Satan, you do not have the right um, priorities, your focus is off. Because he was advising Jesus to spare himself while Jesus was focused on spending himself for the salvation of the world, however tempting it might have been to keep from the cross, to keep from suffering. Jesus corrects Peter to follow God's way and not his own. Commitment to God over convenience is tough. Jesus in this moment was committed to the calling of God even though convenience would have said, oh, you don't have to suffer like that. God will figure something else out. Peter was strongly corrected and redirected to commit uh, and to be committed to God's ways and not his own, however uncomfortable or misunderstood it might have been. Sometimes we need correcting, right? Whether our focus has become worldly or our theologies become lazy, we sometimes need Jesus to redirect us and so to keep, um, keep us on track with the reality of the kingdom. You know, to keep our pride in check, to humble us and say, this is my kingdom, not yours. I have a plan and it needs to be mine because I'm God, not you. Once again, experiences like this continue to shape us. They continue to transform us until we look back on the day where we can accept Jesus' invitation to transformation and look back and say, wow, look how far I've come. Wow, I I can pray for somebody out loud now. I never thought I would do that. Or wow, like, look at me serving in junior high and youth ministry. Look at me serving on a committee that serves and loves the community. Look at me serving on the board. Look at me generously loving people. And it's not about look at me. It's just lo- recognizing your life and saying, wow, look how far you've brought me, Jesus. Wow, this transformation has really changed me. Um, Peter went from a Galilean fisherman to being, um, to being dependent, learning to be dependent, learning to be redefined and then learning to be corrected or rebuked to follow God's will and not his own. He went his own way. Peter went from a Galilean fisherman to being the foundation of the church. In Acts 4, people were saying that they were astonished that this unschooled and ordinary man was teaching them and saying powerful things and and leading people. They were astonished Um, Acts 4.13 when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men they were astonished and they took note they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Do people see it in your life when you've been with Jesus? Do people see it that you're different? What does that transformation look like for you? because they noticed with Peter. They noticed their courage and John, they noticed, they realized that they were unschooled and ordinary, but they weren't ordinary because they were astonished. They were astonishing people. He went from a small town boy, living in a lonely world, to leading ministry with such boldness that Acts five says that the the apostles performed many miracles and wonders among the people and all the believers that used to meet together in Solomon's uh, colonnade. Here's where it is, 13, no one else dared join them. No one else dared join them. They went from a humble fisherman, a small town boy, to living a powerful life of ministry where there would be a crown set aside in heaven for them and yet they're doing things that nobody else dared to do. Nobody else would follow. No one else joined them. But yet, nonetheless, more and more men and women more and more men and women believed in the lord and were added to their numbers and as a result people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on the beds in the mats so that at least peter's shadow might fall on them as he passed by the fishermen from galilee who would have thought Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Fishermen from Galilee to powerful leader in ministry, the founder of the church, but did it happen instantly? No, he walked through a process with Jesus where he allowed Jesus to He allowed Jesus to be dependent. He made himself dependent on God. He allowed himself to be redefined by God. And he allowed himself to be corrected when he needed it, to be refocused. Jesus takes the ordinary and through a process makes them into something extraordinary. He makes them into something, (laughs) he doesn't make you into a bird, come on now. (laughs) Come on. He makes you, he started off as a simple, plain, I'm an open book, Jesus, do whatever you want in my life. One plain blank sheet that says, God, whatever you have for me. And through a process of folding and shaping and redefining and correcting and being dependent on him, he was transformed into something that he never thought possible. He never saw coming, but he allowed through that process, Jesus to do th- those things for him and in him and some of them were uncomfortable, depend on God and not yourself. Allow him to redefine the truth that you think about yourself and allow his truth to speak over you and allow God to correct you when needed. The pride, the fear, focus on his will and not our will. Those are tough and yet the result, the result, let's pay attention to the result, the result is more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people were healed and saved. Do we really wanna hold on to the things that we have? That plain blank sheet? Or do we wanna see people changed and transformed and healed and saved and delivered by a God who has the ability to transform them into something simple, from something simple into something amazing they never saw coming? That's our God. Come on, he's so good. He takes the ordinary and through a process, he transforms us into something extraordinary for his glory, not ours. When we get dependent and redefined and corrected, there's no stopping the impact that we can have um, from a life that is surrendered. My prayer this morning is that we would learn from Peter's life we would grab hold of whatever that is, that what stood out to you this morning, because we have prayed, God, let it not be her words, let it not be Pastor Katie's words, let it be God's words. So what challenged you this morning is God's finger pointing on you. And whether, wherever we negotiate with God is where we're not surrendering, so don't, don't negotiate, give it up. Let him lead you, let him, let him, uh, let him show you that he is dependable and let him redefine and correct and be corrected. My prayer is that we would learn from Peter's life from an ordinary into extraordinary boldness that continues to pursue those three things of being reshaped into something powerful for God's glory.